welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance, and my guest today is Stu Heinick. He is a Wall Street Journal cartoonist, maybe the first cartoonist I've ever had on the show. He's a marketer and podcaster and author of the book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, which sounds like it might be an important topic to cover. So, Stu, thanks for joining me. Well, thanks so much for having me. So I have to ask the obvious question first. Um, what in the heck is a cartoonist doing writing a book about sales? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, you know, I'm a, well, I'm a cartoonist, obviously, but I'm also, uh, I own a, a business. I'm a small business owner. And, um, and so, you know, like many other small business owners, I spend a lot of my time developing business. And, um, you know, I, I guess at the same time, I've also been a marketer for some of the big, some of the biggest uh, marketers in the world, and so um, so it, it's just been a natural thing. However, the, the reason why uh, the reason why I'm, I've, I've written this book is because I've been using my cartoons just sort of as a just in, in parallel to my my career, my, the, the progression of my marketing business. I've been using my cartoons to break through to almost anybody, uh, and I've used them to break through to presidents, prime ministers, celebrities, and more usefully, lots and lots of CEOs, C-level executives, and top decision makers. So essentially, the cartoons have given me this wonderful tool, this, this sort of unfair advantage to be able to reach out and connect with virtually anyone. Yeah, and, I, and I've seen you do that before, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, but I, I'd actually like to hear a little bit more, more. You know, I kind of hopefully somewhat humorously said you might be the first cartoonist that uh, that I've had on here. I'm sure people are saying, you know, what's the life of a cartoonist like? You know, I'm, I'm envisioning a <laughs> pipe and slippers and a lot of, like, ink on your fingers and, you know, at all times. But um, as I listen to you describe kind of what you do on a day-to-day basis, it might not quite be that that – cartoon-like image that we have. Yeah, no, I, it's not. It's nothing like it is from television shows and, <laughs> and so forth. Um, I, I'm I, I'm a small business owner, and so I do a lot of the same things everybody else does. Uh, anybody who owns a small business does. I mean, um, the time that I spend cartooning is really kind of small, actually. I mean, I, I come up with ideas, and I'll, I'll set them aside, and then I might devote a Saturday and... and uh, Monday or something to draw them and produce a batch and submit it um, to the to the Wall Street Journal. <clears throat> but otherwise, I'm I'm working on campaigns and stuff for clients and so on. I mean, it's really I'm I'm sure my day is really quite similar to most yeah. most people's uh, days on, in the audience. So in the book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, you have, um, I believe you, I'm going to give you credit for coining this. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, something you're calling contact marketing. So do you, you want to explain yeah. what that term means? Sure. And, and um, in fact, I, I did coin it in the book. Um, and so essentially what it is, is these are micro-focused uh, marketing campaigns that are designed to help uh, facilitate contact with very, very important clients, not, not clients, but, but um, contacts. Yeah, prospects, who may perhaps. become clients. Yeah. Yeah. They, they could but, but it might be a referral source, just somebody you want to meet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so, um, so they can, they can take a lot of different forms and <clears throat> they, um, they're, 
Well, part of the, you know, you, you'd asked me about what contact marketing is, but also where the term came from. And mm-hmm. what was interesting is, um, you know, I've, I've been using cartoons to break through to, to people my whole career, but uh, it wasn't until I got curious about what other people were doing to 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 meet that same challenge in their businesses that that this really came alive for me because um, you know I thought well at first I thought well gosh the cartoons are a secret weapon isn't that wonderful <laughs> when I started seeing what everyone else was doing what I was what I what I picked up is this shadow practice of marketing that. Um, that people have been using, I, I couldn't tell you how long, but they've been using it a long time. Yeah. And essentially it shows up like this, of just saying, we need to get hold of, I'm thinking about one specific example, we need to get a hold of the, the CEOs of the top 20 restaurant chains in the country. And so how are we going to do that? And they come up with some audacious, just wonderfully creative way of doing it. And, um, and, and, and so these stories sort of exist as urban myths out there. Um, and what I sought to do with the book is just to gather those up as much as I could. There's there's a lot out there that I don't know about yet, and certainly didn't didn't um, pick up for the book. But what I did find filled out 20 categories of contact marketing campaigns, which is yeah. wonderful. Um, and uh, and the, the thing that was interesting is that when I interviewed, basically I interviewed sales thought leaders to uh, to get the content for the book, and as I interviewed them most of them had no idea what to call it. There, there was no name for it. And so I, I have been using my camp, sorry, calling my little campaigns, um, uh, contact campaigns. And so that's where contact marketing came from. Yeah. And I think in reading through the book, uh, the, the thread that kind of runs through them is you're doing something that really garners attention almost to the point where the person says, well, I need to talk to this person. I, yeah. uh, f- 15 years ago or more, uh, we had a, uh, um, a furniture company, an office furniture company that was trying to get, it had a hit list of, I want to say like a hundred of companies they really thought would be great prospects, uh, but they were, you know, salespeople were just patting the phones and they weren't, weren't really getting anywhere. So we created this campaign that I later wrote about, uh, call, I called it Lumpy Mail. Um, but uh, essentially, we had delivered a, a half a gallon of milk, and a, we made the, the, their their solution was like total office solution or something. I can't remember, but we made a <laughs> fake kind of skin for a total cereal box. Remember the cereal total? Um, oh yeah, yeah. So we made yeah. a we made a kind of fake you know skin that went over that, and you know had all the benefits of of the, of their company and meeting with them. And uh, sent that uh, that package had it hand delivered to a hundred of the their, the hit folks on their on their list, and fifty of them actually set appointments. Uh, you know, there it of, is of the hundred, and I mean it was just because they were like, I had to see what idiot sent me this. Thing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, well, that's really interesting, John, yeah. because that is really rather typical of the kinds of results that I was encountering. When I, as, well, first of all, in my own contact campaigns, but yeah. also those that that I was told about. Um, by the by, the thought leaders that I interviewed, and you just just you just described a campaign that that generated a fifty percent response rate, which yeah. is way off the scale when yeah. you when you compare it to other. For example, if you compare it to to, to a direct mail or direct marketing campaign, where you hear that number one percent bandied around a lot. Yeah. Getting a fifty percent response—I mean, direct marketers would consider that impossible. Well, and and I tell you the. The, the real contrast for me was what they had been doing at that time was not direct mail. They had been doing cold calling. So essentially, 
we said, here's a new way to cold call, if you will, <laughs> that's going to get yep. a 50% response. And I think that's probably the dramatic lesson in there is that, you know, people have been doing this. You know, there, there would be a risk, I think, for somebody to look at your book and say, oh, contact market, you're just, it's just a new fancy word for cold calling. Uh, but there's a significant oh, difference, yeah, no. isn't there? There really is. And, and again, I love your, I love your example, and, but, you know, I, and I could give a lot of them from the book as well, but your example right there, that's exactly how contact marketing works. You, you identify this, this um, list, very, very uh, targeted list. It could be as few as one, actually. Sure. But in, in your example, they identified 100, um, 100 accounts. I mean, these are named accounts. Th- right. These are really very typical things in, in the selling uh, world. And, um, and, and also typically, cold mailing, I'm mean, sorry, cold calling doesn't particularly work well. I mean, it can, but, um, and there are ways to, to obviously, ways to, uh, to improve the chances. But, you know, I got a cold call before, before we did our recording right now. And, hi, could I talk to the person in charge of, of credit card processing? Right, right. No, click. Yeah. You've got to do it better. You have to do a, a better job of it. And certainly what you, well, you know, one of the things in, in your book that you say is that, I mean, you've got this wonderful, very brief definition of marketing, which is getting people who have a specific need or problem to know, like, and trust you. And that's what sales is about, too. It's just people buy from people that they know, like, and trust. Right. And so you, your marketing has to get you there, has to become, make you one. It has to humanize you. Well, and I think that, the, the other thing, of course, that's going on today, too, is that now that we all, the buyers, have all these tools and knowledge and information, you know, they don't, they don't have to depend on that cold calling salesperson to show up and say, okay, tell me all about merchant accounts, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you, you have to start that know, like, and trust before the person even raises their hand and says, I'm in need of what you're selling. Yeah, well, certainly before they'll talk to you. They yeah. might talk to someone else that they know and trust and like, yeah. right. but you won't get the chance. Um, and, and I think what, col- or what, or what, what contact marketing allows you to do is to, um, I won't say, I, was, I don't want to say that it leapfrogs that process, but what it does is speeds it up. And sure. Maybe makes it immediate, actually. Um, I mean, when I send my cartoons around, my cartoons typically are, they're personalized, so they're about the recipient, and I've, right. if I've targeted the, the cartoon properly so that they, they laugh and they say, that's true, that's, that's exact, that's me in there. Yeah. So anything like that, then... Um, then, you know, knowing that, um, I guess it also helps that I'm one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists, so that's kind of an exciting thing. I mean, it sure. sort of creates an interesting um, credential for me. But but when people get the cartoons, and they're about them, and so, I mean, I, it very quickly turns me into someone that they, they don't know me yet, but they like me already. Yeah. And they're certainly willing to... Um, to hear what I have to say, I think probably because they're saying, if this is how this guy thinks, I want to know how he'll, how he'll solve this problem for us or something like that. Um, yeah. An- another really important element of that you mentioned on um, the, the Wall Street Journal, of course, which then also gives an air of authority and and uh, to some degree some social proof that goes along with that. So so it really makes yeah. kind of power pack there. It's not just, hey, here's somebody I mean, your cartoon, personalized cartoon, I think, is an effective tool, but it's certainly by having that authority and social proof makes it even more uh, impactful. Yeah, it helps a lot. Yeah. It really helps a lot. So uh, one of the things yeah. that you um, talk about is the idea that this kind of helps level the playing field, that you, you, you kind of rise above from the, the, the 
you know, the bag carrying salesperson <laughs> to having maybe even a little bit more equal stature, I should say, with uh, CEOs, C-level executives, and, and top decision makers. What, 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 um, what's the thinking that that led you to that uh, conclusion? Well, I just I think what you might be talking about is the is the VIP makeover mm-hmm. chapter in the, <clears throat> in the book, and and you know, I, I think we all need VIP. Let me, let me retract that. What we need to be able to do is if we're going to reach out to someone who is very important and very difficult to reach, which is the, that's sort of the definition of contact marketing, then one of the things you need to do is, the good thing is you don't, you don't just break through and then, and then have nothing to say to this person. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be, it's going to waste their time and yours. Um, so you, you're going to want to know what, what the value is that you bring to the conversation. Um, really, very, I mean, you really need to know what it is you're bringing to them, and you need to know that it's actually something that they're thinking about and, and that would be relevant to what they're doing. So beyond all that, though, if you don't have roughly equal business stature, then it's also very difficult to get on the phone, either to get through their – or get past their gatekeep. I don't want to call them gatekeepers, but their executive assistants are not going to want to put you through if if they don't perceive you as being – Somewhat roughly on on the same um, same business level as as their uh, as their boss, and so I I think you need a VIP statement, and you need to develop one. And so in mine, when, when I'm talking, for example, if I'm talking to an executive assistant, I'll introduce myself with that VIP statement. Hi, I'm Stu Heineck. I'm one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists. I'm a Hall of Fame nominated nominated marketer, and I have this. And I go in to this this one thing that I'd like to present to your boss. Maybe they want to send to your boss. Maybe all I want to do is send a a, a print of one of my cartoons that was in the Wall Street Journal, and it's about your boss. And they'll they'll get really excited about that. Right. But there's always that you've got to come up with something that has them saying, "Oh, this is someone I need to listen to." And, you know, one thing about I, I was about to call the, the executive assistant a, a gatekeeper, mm-hmm. and and if I might go there for a moment, um, I don't think of them as gatekeepers. I'm relieved when I when I reach executive assistants, and I know most most people in who sell, actually we all sell, don't we? But right. most people in sales dread the executive assistant because they think um, of them as people who just they're, they're just barriers. Yeah, yeah, their job is to say no. Yeah, and and really equally, their job is to say yes, mm-hmm. and um, and really to seek out those opportunities that their that their boss might have missed otherwise, and that happens a lot. Sure. So. The executive assistants, they're, they're some of the brightest people in the organizations they're in. Uh, they, they're often some of the most senior. They're the most well-connected. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're definitely well-connected. So I, I, I think of them as, as both talent scouts and VPs of access, yeah. and I treat them that way. And so as a talent scout, you, we need to help them see the value or, and understand the value that you're going to bring to their boss, because otherwise, why would they put you through? Um, then, then the other side of their their job kicks in. Then they're, it, they should be keeping you out, and I think that might be what a lot of salespeople are experiencing. So, right. instead of figuring out how to actually address that, they are thinking in terms of how do I get around the the the, the gatekeeper, and and of course that doesn't work either. They can see that coming, yeah. and it just makes them all the more resolute about keeping you out. Yeah, I suppose if their job is to keep you out and you find a back door, you know, they, they, any progress you make, they, they may spend the rest of their life making sure they shut that back door. 
Yeah, they'll make sure you're. <laughs> they'll make sure that you don't get in. Yeah, one yeah, way or another. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I want to talk about some of the examples uh, in, in the book. But uh, one of the things, as as I was reading through the book, um, I've always said that my podcast actually uh, acts a lot this way because when I first got started, I didn't. I was just like I wanted to develop this medium and produce content, and hoped one day I would have a a, a listenership that uh, that. You know, appreciated the information, but I quickly saw that it gave me access to people. Uh, some it does. Of the, That's right. Some of the first guests that I wanted to have on, I sent an email. I said interview request, and you know, had that email said, "Hey, I'd love to pick your brain for twenty minutes." Uh, probably wouldn't have got much response, but because I said, "Hey, I want to put you on my podcast and promote your new book or whatever it is," you know, to my audience, um, I rarely, if ever, can I even remember uh, somebody saying no. And and so I think that that I've always viewed my podcast actually in that way. Now, fortunately, I've got some listenership and whatnot as well uh, that I've developed over the years. But uh, I, I tell people all the time, I would do it for the, the access as much as anything. Yeah, it, well, you can see that I, well, you, it was a theme that came up in my research for the book as well, that, that asking, giving someone, um, uh, your target, mm-hmm. some exposure some media exposure is a wonderful yeah. uh, carrot to dangle out there, and they're usually very, very excited to tell their, their story. So, yeah, it's, I mean, uh, podcasts and, and live radio shows, I'm going to have you on my show um, uh, later this week, and the same thing, that it's, it, there is that, that element of being able to reach out and get just the, the best possible guests on, who also may happen to be, um, in some cases anyway, great uh, potential clients and potential partners and so on. Absolutely. So yeah, that's that's yeah, that's a great device for it. So tell me tell me a little bit about describe a, a typical campaign or two. You you obviously have talked about your uh, your personalized cartoons and then I shared my kind of total serial. I would love if you could share a couple uh, um, uh, other examples that might be, you know, a different kind of way in the door. Sure. Um, sure yeah, that's so uh, well, let's see. There, there, there's this whole category of gifts. Mm-hmm. There's half a gift that you might have heard of. Yeah. Someone using, sending the left shoe of a pair of shoes, and then right. they'll send a note saying, uh, "Now that I have my foot in the door, I'll." It's kind of a corny thing, actually. <laughs> yeah. But now that I have my foot in the door, I'd like to talk to you, and I'll bring the other shoe when we meet. Or, or sending a, a remote control model, but the control, the, the control unit itself is missing, and. They'll bring that in when uh, when you meet. So so there's half a gift. There's there are regifts of gifts that are meant to be given away. For example, maybe if you if you're reaching out to the chief sales officers of companies, then the gifts could be could be something that the, the the CSO gives away to their to their staff members. Maybe the top producer each month, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but the, and and in fact, my my cartoons show up as gifts as well. But one of the, one of my favorite forms. Of gifts that came up in the in the research was with the visual metaphors, yeah. um, and and one of the coolest examples that I came across was um, was what is, is done by um, Dan Waldschmidt, and you may may or may not know Dan. Mm-hmm. He's uh, okay, yeah. So I'm, he's an amazing guy. Actually, he runs hundred mile running races. Yeah. And wins. Actually, amazing. I've had him on the show um, a few years ago. Oh, wonderful. Okay, yeah. well, so and he's got this really wonderful message, as you know. It's about, hey, just get out and get this stuff done. Yeah. Don't dilly-dally. Yeah. And, um, and, and that all ties into uh, the theme of his company and his book and his blog, which they're all called Edgy Conversations. 
and there's that element of edge uh, that he has used in his contact uh, campaign. In his primary business, he's, he's actually a turnaround specialist. And so he's always looking, he's, he comes the paper every day for stories of missed earnings estimates. And when he finds one, he'll, he'll, he'll very quickly compile all the contact information he needs. And he has this beautiful sword made in, and it's, it's engraved in the name of the with the name of the of the CEO he's going to reach mm-hmm. out to. And these swords, by the way, are made by the the prop maker who made all the swords for the film uh, Gladiator. Mm-hmm. So they're beautiful. They're mm-hmm. really beautifully made. And so that gets placed in a fine wooden box. And also within the box is a handwritten note. Handwritten notes actually are are <laughs> really pretty magical in them in themselves, and they show up a lot. Yep. In these, but so it's a handwritten note, and he's saying, "Hi, I, I, I noticed that um, that you missed your earnings estimates, um, and I, I wanted to just tell you that I, I understand, I get it that that business is is a uh, is war, and and you know I see that you lost the battle recently. I just want to let you know that if you ever need any extra hands in the battle, um, we've got you covered, or we've got your back. That was it. So he's not even talking about what he does. Yep. And he said that he gets um, essentially a hundred percent response rate." And um, you know, up until studying this, this or researching this for the book, I was embarrassed to talk about the few times I've gotten 100% response rates to some of my, some of my campaigns. But what I found is that I'm not alone. In fact, so the 50% response rate that you described with the the milk and the and the total box, also at the, all of these, they're just so far off the scale for for what we think of as traditional marketing response rates, but Anyway, he gets about a hundred percent response rate. Now it costs him a thousand dollars each time he sends one of those out, but so that's a thousand dollars per contact. Also, way off the scale yep. for for most marketing strategies. But the thing is, um, you know, he doesn't he doesn't sell to everyone that he sends these to, and he doesn't get. I, he said essentially a hundred percent. So let's say it's ninety eight percent of the time he gets through. So that doesn't mean that he's going to sell a, a, a turnaround. A contract, but when he does, these are multi-million-dollar contracts, mm-hmm. so he can afford to send a lot of swords around <clears throat> and cultivate multi-million-dollar contracts. So, I think that's a great one. But it, you mentioned also um, that your uh, that that your uh, podcast is mm-hmm. a, a great contact device, and really, um, I would I would put that into the into the, the what I call media insight and exposure. Um, categories, subgrouping, sure. but interviews and media presence, and um, you know, using your book. Some of a lot of us, well, some of us are, are authors. Some more no, well known as, uh, than than others. Yours is really well known, and so I would imagine that your book is also a wonderful contact device. If you ever wanted to get a hold of someone and you wanted to point out something that you wanted to do within the within the book, your book would be would be dynamite for that. Yeah, and I, I actually have a network of, of independent marketing consultants that we train and use the duct tape marketing system, and many of them uh, frequently use the book as a, as a calling card, so oh. to speak. Oh, perfect. Um, but, uh, but one of the things that I know you point out in the book, and I, I, you know, if you just send somebody a book and say, hey, I thought of you, this is great, it's got great stuff in it, not much is going to happen. The, 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 when yep. people are really effective is they take and they, put, they highlight a couple sections, put a couple stickies in there, and, and say, look, 
do one of these three problems describe one of the challenges you're having? We'd love to talk. And then all of a sudden it really becomes, you know, maybe they do dig yeah. in and read the book, but but they're focused on, hey, you're, you're, you're pointing out one of my pains, you know, very quickly here. Yeah, it's, that's perfect. And, and you're right. You wouldn't, it doesn't make sense to send a book yeah. and to say, here, read it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit too broad. Yeah. But just as you've said, if, if you get a handwritten note um, from, especially if it's coming from the author, that's just wonderful. But if you get a handwritten note and it says, I'd like to talk to you about what's on page 232, because I think it's relevant to to the initiative that I've been reading about in the, mm-hmm. something like that. Some, so it's just, you, you, you don't seem like you just sent them a book yep. and or you're telling them to read it, but you've got something of specific uh, value and interest to talk to them about. Those are great contact devices. Well, and now, now maybe they have been convinced that they should invest the time to read the whole book um, at some point because they were shown some, some value, you know, very, with very little investment, so to speak. Yeah. Um, what, yeah. what role, um, many, many of these ideas like sending the milk and um, sending your cartoons off and, and, you know, having somebody physically as a guest on your show um, involve, you know, real people things and live things and physical things. Um, have you seen people having success using social media or, you know, email or, you know, some of the more digital yeah. strategies? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because really the, you know, the, 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 the amazing thing about contact marketing, the, 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 the thing that became contact marketing for me, which is you know all of these, uh, all of these this collection of experiences and response rates and um, tactics and so forth, is that <clears throat> it's it's something that produces response rates that are are going as high as 100 percent, ROI as high as the record from that research was 620,000%, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Sure. But the other one that's really crazy is that the, that these methods, the methodologies range in cost per contact from zero to $10,000. So yeah. another, another way that this is just a very, very bizarre form of marketing. Well, on that zero end, uh, the, the no cost end are just some wonderful and very effective ways to use social media and email and the phones and I would say I'm going to say mail although mail is not free it's sort of almost relatively free compared to the ten thousand dollar method it's it's pretty close to free Um, but yeah social media as you know social media I know you know this because we're connected on social media and that's how we've uh, has a lot to do with how you and I've come to know each other Um, Mm -hmm. But social media is a wonderful way to connect with people. And again, we go back to that definition that you um, have so eloquently given for marketing, which is to get people to to know, like, and trust you. And what a great way to do this. Uh, Social media gives us a great way to do that. So if you're on Facebook, um, you you tend to find that people are posting their personal um, posts forays, whatever it is they're doing, mm-hmm. they, they'll post it, whether they're rooting for a team, whether right. they're, they're going on a trip or whatever, um, just what their kids are doing. And, and so it gives you this really very natural way to, to engage um, to, uh, with people on a human level. And uh, LinkedIn is a great way to, <clears throat> pardon me, LinkedIn is another really great way to connect with people on a business, uh, on a business level, um, <clears throat> certainly to be watching but actually, another one is Twitter. But just, just what are what are people tweeting about? What's got their attention? And 
what are they working on? Because between those three, they'll you you can you're likely to find a lot of information about what people are up to. I mean, you know, I I saw your I I followed your meetings or not your I mean, the, the meetings of the seminars at the at the looked like it was a meeting or seminar at the Dude Ranch. Oh, uh huh, right. right I was right, like, right. that's really cool. I'm I'm watching that happen. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so it just helps you get to know people, but they get to know you as well. And yeah. Uh, and so social media is a great way to do that, great way to just reach out to, to people. Um, um, for example, on Twitter, I've been having a, uh, some really interesting success because I'm pr- promoting my book right now. Right. So I wanted to reach out to some of the people that are my followers. You know, that's not a really not really a deep level of relationship sure. there. I mean, somebody just clicks a button, and now they follow you, and they might see your tweets or they might not. But I've been reaching out to them um, with... The cartoons that are in my book, I've got 21, or I headed each chapter with a cartoon, so I have 21 cartoons that I wanted to do something with uh, to, to promote the book, and I turned all of them into memes that are used on social media. <laughs> and I'm reaching out to some of the biggest, um, some of the people with the biggest followings on, on Twitter and asking them, would you mind, or would you be interested in running some of these um, these memes? I mean, just tweeting them. Yeah. And they are. Yeah. They're, they're doing it. So. Yeah. There are all these really interesting. I mean, that's that's sort of mine. But if someone has a book out, tweeting a picture of you with with their book in the airport is probably going to get get you um, um, special notice or personal notice from yeah. the from the person. So it's really a it's a wonderful way to reach out to people and connect with them. Um, all of those are. Email is a great way too because um, you know it, it's easy to figure out what email addresses most email addresses are. Uh, it's usually it could be the first initial and last name. It could be first name dot last name, or first name underscore last name. A lot of that will. A lot of those. If you try those, a lot of those will get you through. Um, those are actual email addresses. And if you wanted to reach an executive, some let's say a CEO, um, the, I think if you're going to try to do it via email, doing it during the week is probably the worst time to do it. Doing it, um, I discovered through the, the research for the book that doing it Saturday morning, hmm. or you know, sort of in the evening, earlyish evening Sunday, is a great way to get through to, to these CEOs. Um, by the way, the CEOs, and I've, I've been, I've, I wanted to define that a little bit further. It, they could be CEOs, or I've just, I've also using that as a euphemism for the center of enterprise opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it's really just whoever it is that is your your critical contact. Um, if they're if they're important and if they actually are CEOs, then they're just they're bombarded with email all week long. Right. And so Saturday morning, it's been discovered that a lot of a lot of these people are up early Saturday morning going through their emails, and there's no filter. It's not well. There is a filter from the email client itself, but there's no filter from the executive assistant. It's yeah. just going straight through to them. Yeah, that's. And if you're really, I, I mean, I over the years, you know, I've developed that habit of. That's when I try to clean up the stuff that you know has kind of been hanging out all week, and so you're. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and likewise Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, they're um, they're often preparing for their week, so, again, they're they're on their on their email accounts and yeah. getting things lined up. All right, Stu, we've uh, exhausted the time. I'm speaking with Sue Heinick. He is the author of How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. And uh, Stu, I know that book can be purchased in many places, but is there somewhere you want uh, listeners to, to check out more information? 
Well, sure. You, they could they could go to my website and get a free um, preview of the book, um, introduction and first chapter, if they'd like to do that, um, at stuheinick.com. So that's S-T-U-H-E-I-N-E-C-K-E.com. Awesome. Well, thanks, thanks, Stu. Enjoyed the book and enjoyed uh, uh, meeting you, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, run into you out there on the road. I look forward to that. Thank you so much, John, for having me on your show.